Introducing Coco Golf's signature shoe, more than just a tennis shoe. It's a fusion of 90s inspired style and cutting edge performance technology with its sleek mid cut silhouette. It's designed to enhance speed and power on the court. The multi piece upper construction delivers high energy return for players of all levels. Whether you're a seasoned pro or just starting out, the Coco CG1 empowers you to dominate the game. Learn more and purchase the Coco CG1 at NewBalance.com. of the semifinals are set and the rest will be by tomorrow. Welcome to TC Live as we entertain you for the next hour leading up to first ball down under. The temperatures have started to heat up in Melbourne and the action continues to sizzle. Here's what's coming up on the show. The men's top half is top heavy. One versus four. Winner, winner, sinner, dinner. Yannick Sinner cooking up another straight set victory for a showdown with Novak Djokovic. Plus, Coco Goff. Looking to go back-to-back major titles, how she fought her way back to reach the Final Four in Melbourne for the first time. And Naomi Osaka left town over a week ago, but find out where the four-time major champ will be playing next. It's sooner than you may have expected. Well, Djokovic was playing to the crowd last night, including one very special person watching the match. The Nick Kyrgios bromance continues between these two. Our featured matches on this Wednesday down under, Tuesday on the mainland. First up inside Rod Laver Arena, we've got teenager Linda Noskova and Diana Yastremska. Then it's Yubi Hercoc and Daniil Medvedev in the night session. Zhang Chinwen faces Anna Kalinskaya, and Carlitos Alcaraz plays Alexander Zverev. Come on into our studios here in Santa Monica, California. Steve Weisman back with Martina Navratilova, Lindsay Davenport, and John Wertheim. We are getting to the business end of this tournament. John, what are you most looking forward to today? Carlos Alcaraz likes to keep things simple and keep things benign. There is no confrontation with this guy. There are no inflammatory quotes. Now he gets a player on the other side of the net where there can be a bit of a confrontation. He plays Alexander Zverev. They have played before. They played before in majors. Zverev handles Alcaraz's game pretty well. This is a much different match than what he's had previously. Can he rise and play in a match where there's going to be some real friction? Mm. I'm looking forward to the two women's matches, Steve, and every player's dream is to make the second week of a major, get to a quarterfinal, try and get to a semi, but I'm not sure these four ladies expected to get to a quarterfinal and then play who they're supposed to play. We have Kalinskaya, we have Zhang, we have Yastremska, we have Noskova, so not only are you dealing with the pressure of a Grand Slam quarterfinal match... Mm. But also, wait, I could win this. Oh, wait, I could win the next one. (laughs) (laughs) Who is going to be able to handle that? Because that is another layer that is added emotionally there. Yeah, Martina's been talking about their combined ranking all week above 200. (laughs) What are you looking forward to, Marty? Well, I was going to say what those guys said, so I guess I'll settle for Rukash and Medvedev. I'm most looking forward to the Medvedev press conference because he really is so entertaining. But seriously, Rukash, I think for him, this is a big test because he's not been able to break through in the majors, really. has not played his best tennis three out of five. So we'll see if he brings it this time. The best server on the tour, he needs to bring that going. He needs to bring that tonight. All right. We, we shall see. We, we've covered it all now. We can get the highlights started from last night, beginning with Novak Djokovic, continuing his quest for record 25th major singles title. He came in 8-0 against Taylor Fritz Martina, including the quarterfinals at the U.S. Open. Would this be any different? Well, that was a set point for Taylor Fritz. He has another one, and he totally misjudged that ball. It bounced over his head, or over the racket. 
and uh, Djokovic survives that uh, that scare. But Djokovic was 0-8 in breakpoints in that first set, so really should have won that first set. And uh, then, of course, in the tiebreak, he rules. He just he, the players know that he's gonna play better, and I think they kind of panic and try to go for too much. Meantime, Novak doesn't miss. Second set, Djokovic 0-7 in breakpoints. Taylor gets the break here at 4-3 for his first and only break of the match as he finally stretches Novak out and gets the easy winner and serves it out nicely at 5-4 no problem but really Djokovic on 15 and break points in these first two sets he really should have won the first two but he also could have lost the first two meantime the legs go out a little bit from uh, Taylor Fritz maybe if you lose 5% it's enough for Novak Djokovic to stretch the court a little bit more, make you run a little bit more, as uh, he's just moving um, Taylor from side to side. And Taylor doesn't even try to run for that ball. I think first set he's running for that. And uh, here Djokovic finishes nicely. Match point. He was five of six on break points the last two sets. So really could have been a much easier match, but it could have been different. In any case, same end result. Djokovic gets the better of Taylor Fritz once again. Yeah, into his 48th Grand Slam semifinal, now won 33 straight in Melbourne, had 20 aces, four more than Fritz, by the way, who's one of the best servers. Won 82% of his first serve points, 52 winners to 26 unforced errors, double the breaks, and three times the opportunities. Here's Djokovic with Nick Kyrgios. So I know there's a tree in the Royal Botanical Gardens that you go to and you hug and I don't know what you do. But can you just show me which tree that is? Because I need to get healthy because I'm sick of you winning on this court. And I just want to come back maybe once and beat you one time. Yeah. Show me the tree. Where's the tree? Okay, I'll show you the tree, but you can't tell anyone. It's a big secret. So what you got to do is take off your shoes, climb the, the tree, the highest point, and hang upside down on one of the highest branches for 33 minutes and, and three seconds. And you're going to win a slam. <laughs> well, if it was that easy, everyone would do it. By the way, there's the tree. Yeah. yeah. No way. <laughs> That's amazing. I mean, find your zen, right? Yeah. Whatever it takes, Steve. <laughs> That's great. <laughs> a tree in the botanical garden. I think great. he was being sarcastic about hanging upside down, though. You think? I, I don't know. I, I just think a little bit. With his diet <laughs> regimen, I mean, you you would know more with uh, the time I'll you spent I'll give you, with him. Uh, I mean, this botanical garden is adjacent to the, so it's, it's he, he does indeed go there. I'll give you another one. The day before the French Open final, it's a, where's Novak? He's supposed to practice. Oh, he took his kids to the forest. So uh, his, his love of nature, even during a major, is, is part of the whole drill. What Who forest? Who is this guy? What? <laughs> so literally, in, in Paris, they took yeah. the day before the final, he and his whole family went off into the woods to go hiking. So not surprising he would find a tree in the botanical gardens adjacent to Melbourne Park. <laughs> you know what they say, you can only go halfway through the deepest forest before you're coming out on the other end. So, uh, you know, it's, it's, it's all a mental game. Lindsay, 700th hardcourt win for Novak Djokovic. There's only two men in that club, him and Roger. Uh, what stood out to you from the way he was able to, to finish after it became a best of three sets? Yeah, we talked about it before the match. All of a sudden, the weather shifted pretty drastically in Melbourne. It was much hotter. It was closer to 90 degrees. And other days, it had been in the 60s. So that was going to be a big test for Novak. The first game, 15-minute hold by Fritz, and you got thinking, wow, maybe this will be advantage Fritz, and was so impressed with how after that second set, because he started to lose it a little bit emotionally in that second set. He was yelling at his camp. He started to get rattled by some things. Never seen a player 
be able to just at, at just Reese. like this mm. reset and be fine. And all of a sudden, he played lights out in those last two sets. He knew Fritz was maybe going to get a little fatigued, and he just handled. He was just waiting around for that to happen. And once he noticed that a little bit, the speed started to drop off. Just started to move his shots around the court more. As Martina said, Fritz stopped running for some shots. Yeah. Really impressed with how he just once again manages a match with time with his emotions and just waits for the time to strike. Yeah, every single time, Martina, this is another match where he's been pushed to four sets but finds his way through. Does he have, I mean, obviously he does. He's done it many times before, but this time to, to have the emotional wherewithal for two more. Well, he, yes. <laughs> he's had it for now, what, 15 years? Yeah. And he'll definitely have it uh, semifinals and finals. I think if he might lose it any time, it would be earlier in the tournament against a player maybe he feels, you know, should be playing that well. But against these top players, he is on his best behavior. And uh, mentally, he is stronger than anybody out there. Even though when he was yapping away at his camp in the second set, likely blaming him for a double fault, uh, he kept it together. You know, he never, he, he, he got it, he got it back. And, uh, the last two sets, he knows he wears people out. And I think on purpose makes the points even longer when they get a little bit tired that he doesn't come to the net and put away the first ball. He hangs back because it just lets him get even more tired. So mentally he's got it going on. I don't see him breaking, breaking down at all. Yeah, and before we move on, Taylor Fritz, the props stamp, furthest he's ever gotten at the Australian mm -hmm. Open. He's back inside the top ten, and he is the number one ranked American man. Next matchup, Yannick Sinner, Andre Rublev. First match of top five players in this tournament, Lindsay. Both of them 0 for 8 against top five guys at majors, so one of those droughts would end. Yeah, what time do they take the court, Steve? 10.42 p.m. It was a long day out on Rod Laver Arena, and... They Real question marks of how these two would come out, but it was Sinner in the first set absolutely dominating with so many hard ground strokes going back and forth. And these two were putting on a show, but it was Sinner and who was finishing the points, but Rublev started to pick up in the second set, started to handle the pace a little bit better and really started to hold his ground. We wondered how Rublev would recover after that long five-setter against Demonar. But he let it go in the second set breaker. Rublev got off to a great start. He needed to win this set. He got up 5-1. They switched sides. You think, okay, we're going to be one set all. We're going to end in for possibly the latest finish ever. But Sinner was able to find another level down 1-5. A lot of players would have given up. Not Sinner. He was able to crawl his way back in and steal this second set tiebreak when this set was over. What a difference that was. Rublev went away a little bit, and Sinner just kept on pushing. Dominating again from the baseline. 0 for 8 on break points, Rublev was. He had break points in every single set and never found a way to break the Sinner serve. So Andre Rublev, unfortunately, falls to 0 and 10 in major quarterfinals. Sinner stays perfect in sets. Just the third Italian to reach a major semi on multiple surfaces. Take a look at the numbers. Both of them had 10 aces. Both won 76% of their first serves and had 34 winners. But Lindsay mentioned it. Rublev, 0 for 8 on break points, also had more unforced errors. Jim Courier will join us at the bottom of the hour from Melbourne for more on Yannick Sinner. And we're going loco for Coco when we come back. Golf went down early. Hear how the 19-year-old was able to fight back. Plus, it is the highly anticipated world-famous doubles report. Who survived and which former dominant pair will now be on opposite sides? We're just getting started on TC Live. Stay close. TC Live at the Australian Open is brought to you in part by Bet365, the world's favorite sports book, by Tennis Express, 
we deliver tennis right to your front door. Order today, ships today. And buy National Car Rental. Go National. Go like a pro. Introducing Coco Golf's signature shoe, more than just a tennis shoe. It's a fusion of 90s-inspired style and cutting-edge performance technology with its sleek mid-cut silhouette. It's designed to enhance speed and power on the court. The multi-piece upper construction delivers high-energy return for players of all levels. Whether you're a seasoned pro or just starting out, the Coco CG1 empowers you to dominate the game. Learn more and purchase the Coco CG1 at NewBalance.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Martina, Lindsay, John, and Steve back with you. A reminder that TC Live comes your way 5 p.m. Eastern every single day of the Australian Open. And then it is Tennis Channel's encore coverage with Brett Haber and Paul Anacone doing a great job 8 a.m. Eastern on Wednesday. You don't want to miss that. Back to the action. Coco Golf in the quarterfinals here for the very first time facing Marta Kostyuk. Golf hadn't dropped a set all tournament, but this was a battle, Martina. Then Kostya came out firing. She was a 5-1 in that first set, playing great tennis. Gave up one break at 5-1, and then Coco just started playing a lot better. Pushes it. Kostya had a set point at the tiebreak, a sitter forehand. You saw her miss there. And Coco escapes with this first set. You know, two years ago, she would have lost this match. And somehow, for sure, she would have lost the set. Anyway, she just held it together, even though she wasn't playing her best tennis. Gets the first set, so you think, okay, now she'll relax and maybe Kostyuk will go away. Go, go, go on top, serving for the set, but cannot put the ball away. And Kostyuk claws her way back into the set. Now we go into tiebreak number two, and Kostyuk gets the better of Coco. Is her forehand? She was dictating the match with that with that forehand. Kostyuk was. And either it was hit and miss. Uh, unfortunately, she missed the big one on that set point. So now we go into the th- th- third set, and uh, Coco gets that first break right off the bat and never looked back as now she finds a little more confidence and played the best set of the match in the third set. And Kostyuk, meantime, was losing it. She was so up and down emotionally. Uh, it was crazy, but Goff really showing amazing points, winning the match when really she was not even close to playing her best tennis. Pulled it out. First women's teenager to make back-to-back semis shake it at a major since 2007. Now the final stats are not pretty. They combined 107 unforced errors. Uh, Goff hit 51 of those with nine double faults and just 17 winners. But at the end of the day, that dub is all that matters. Yeah, it was a fight. I think today was definitely like a C game. Um, so uh, I didn't play my best tennis, but I'm really proud that I was able to get through today's match. And hopefully I got the bad match out the way and I can play even better. She said it was a C-level performance. How much confidence? Let's, let's go glass half full. How much confidence do you get when you play your C-level and you're in the semifinals of a major? That has to be the message her team 
is giving her. You were able to pull it out. It, it not only comes back from 5-1, wins that first set. So then you think, okay, she's going to cruise. Goff was up 5-3 in the second. Didn't close it out. Martina's right. A, a while ago, we would have seen a different Goff emotionally on court to compete in that third set. She started that third set like nothing had happened, like it was the beginning of the match. You didn't see her ever frazzled. You didn't see her looking to her camp. She's handling things so well out there. The tennis has got to improve, though. That was not a great performance. She knows that. Um, you've got to try and change it. It does give you confidence to get through, but you know, though, okay, if I'm going to win this tournament, I can't play like that again. So what am I going to do differently in practice? She's got a very experienced team. I'm sure Brad's going to be on the court really working on things. But you got to just turn the page, put that out of your mind, move forward, clean slate, start the practice day, and try and get ready for Thursday semi. Mm. In keeping with our theme for the show so far, both you and Martina have used the word reset. What does Coco do really well? Point to point? I mean, she, she could lose a few loose games and then come back and still win a set in a tie break. She's pretty good at resetting match to match as well. I mean, remember, she's coming off a U.S. Open. If you're her coach, you're coming off a U.S. Open, the previous major, when there were a lot of times, including much of the final, where you didn't play your best. You still figured out a way to win. You did that in the quarterfinals. Keep going. Keep resetting. Yeah, she said she actually saw the stats on the scoreboard, Martina, during the match. She had all these unforced errors and was like, I'm not even being aggressive right now. At least if I'm going to make mm -hmm. errors, why don't I hit the ball? And, you know, trying to make some history here as well, Martina's. She, if she wins the tournament, could set the record. Most major wins as a teenager among U.S. players. Pretty cool stuff. Yeah, it's cool for us to talk about, but I don't think she really cares about that one way or the other. But uh, again, kudos to her mental state, how she was able to keep it together when things were not going her way. And I would like to say also kudos to Marta Kostiuk for putting it, uh, putting her game together and playing so much better at this tournament. However, this match, I think uh, she was so up and down emotionally. <laughs> it looked like an EKG printout. I've never seen anything like it from one point to the next. She was up and down, up and down. So a lot to learn for both of these players. But uh, yeah, again, well done to Coco for keeping it together. She will need to play better, but she knows she's capable of it. Steve, that's so funny because most Grand Slam courts, most match courts, you actually don't see the stats as a player. Yeah. Sometimes at the U.S. Open after the set, they'll put it up, but you got to be looking there. The Australian Open on Rod Laver, it's always there after the point yeah. up on the scoreboard. For sure, you always notice it as a player out there. And for sure, when you said that, and she was saying that, 100% you look up there and you see, like, oh, my God, 40 on four stairs. Yeah, right. Oh, my God. <laughs> like, so that's the only court where you see it point by point. So poor Coco had to deal with that going through that match also. That's some great insight, yeah. Lindsay. And, and she's like, let me hit the ball at least. Like, yeah, if I'm going to exactly. miss the ball, let's, go, let's go for some winners here. Yeah. <laughs> All right, she's in the semifinals. Who will she play? We've got Arena Sabalenka, only... Losing an average of three games a match coming into this one, Lindsay. I mean, uh, first matchup between top 20 players, but Barbora Krejcikova could not get anything done. Yeah, Sabalenka has played the highest level of tennis throughout this tournament. You always wonder if it's going to continue for a player. Sabalenka said very early on, oh, yes, it will. <laughs> she was <laughs> sensational against Krejcikova. Krejcikova has the advantage. She's got more variety, and she can come to net more so than other players. Would that disrupt Sabalenka? And it was very early on. It was, no, it's not going to bother her. Sabalenka's movement, it's her preparation steps that have been so well. And Krejcikova could not get her off balance hitting enough. Sabalenka able to then find her way to eventually take control of rallies also. Again, Krejcikova doing everything she could to try and disrupt Sabalenka. It just wasn't happening. 
to defend your first Grand Slam title in the manner that Sabalenka has gone through this draw so far has been so impressive. Obviously gets a lot tougher for her now moving forward, but the way she's gone through these first five matches, A+. plus. John, you brought up a great point. She won, what, only three games in that final against Rebecca, and now she's three games. In she's losing three, three a match. <laughs> reset, reset. <laughs> Arena Sabalenka, six straight Grand Slam semifinal, eighth overall. So we take a look at the numbers, 20 winners. Yep, 20% of segments or points one ain't going to cut it in a Grand Slam quarterfinal, Steve. Yeah, also uh, the unforced errors had about half of those, and... How about Sabalenka doing better at the net than Barbora Krejcikova? A great doubles play of our time. Three points one at the net for Krejcikova. That tells you how hard Sabalenka was hitting the ball in offense. All right, stay with us. When we come back, we will look ahead to that semifinal showdown between Coco Golf and Arena Sabalenka. Do not miss what Lindsay and Martina have to say. Welcome back to TC Live as we lead you up to first ball on day 11 in Melbourne. For all the latest news, make tennis.com your online information source throughout the Australian Open and the entire season. Leah Davidoff has your three to see every day. And the baseline staff tells you how a junior player hit the fastest serve of the tournament. Download the tennis app or visit the website. It is now time for the daily forecast with Fox Weather. Good day, tennis fans. I'm Fox Weather meteorologist Stephen Morgan. Here's today Australian Open forecast, partly cloudy in Melbourne. Temperatures a couple of degrees cooler compared to just the past few days. Upper 70s, but still not a bad forecast. Remember, you can download the Fox Weather app or stream Fox Weather from your favorite connected TV device. Thanks so much. Looking at our Tennis Express head-to-head, -head. this semifinal will be the first time since 2011 that the previous year's U.S. Open finalists meet again in Melbourne. Coco leads 4-2, including that win in New York. She's also 3-1 on outdoor hard courts. Four of their matches, though, have gone the distance. Let's go inside the press room with both players. It's always a tough match with her. I think she's playing really well this tournament. Um, and, yeah, obviously that U.S. Open final was uh, tough and... Yeah, I think either way it's going to be a tough match. I think these are the later stages of the Grand Slam, and hopefully I can make it 4-4-4, four four four. Um, and if not, um, I guess I'll have to go back to the drawing board. But it does give me confidence knowing that at least in that stage of a Grand Slam that my nerves are usually settled, so hopefully I can go out there and be settled. I love it. I love it. After US Open, I really wanted uh, uh, that revenge and uh, I would I mean that's that's a great match it's uh, it's uh, it's always great battles against Coco always uh, really great fights and I'm, I'm I'm happy to play her and I'm super excited to play uh, that semifinal match all right how about that Sabalenka says she wants that revenge what does that say to you Lindsay well that's a good first step for Sabalenka is you've got to want it you've got to embrace it whether she means it or not <laughs> well we'll have to see but mentally the battles between these two it has been firmly on golf side and so that is one area where Sabalenka is really going to have to look to improve she's played the better tennis in this tournament but in these big matches if you go back to last year's French Open she's absolutely crumbled in them at the French against Muhaba mm -hmm. at Wimbledon against Jabur up a set and a break and then in that final against Coco at the U.S. Open so Coco's not really the player you want to play if you're not 100% mentally. Maybe not 100% mentally, but Martina, she has been spectacular on the court, not dropping a set, barely losing games. 
She won three matches, three and two, one O and one, and one O and O against quality opponents. So, yeah, I think Savalenka is much stronger. Also, the big difference, the crowd, I think there'll still be for Coco, but I think Savalenka having won it last year and it's Australia, not US, that'll make a difference. And I think Savalenka will be much tougher mentally. I don't think she'll let whatever happens to the crowd get to her the way she did at the US Open. Same time, Coco not playing as well, particularly this last match. So it's going to be a, a test of the mental fortitude more than anything. But uh, the way Sabalenka has been playing, I think it's going to be really tough for Coco to win, even though she's been better in these, uh, in these stressful uh, situations before. Yeah, Martina, let's take a look at some film study. Their last match at the U.S. Open, that final where Coco got her first major title. Yeah, it was a, a tough start for both players, both struggling with nerves and for golf, such a huge occasion. And Sabalenka came out firing, was very aggressive. But then the crowd started to rattle her in the second set. Goff started to settle down, Martina, and started to play much better. Yeah, Coco just said, you know what? I'm not going to miss. You're going to have to beat me. I'm going to run everything down, and I'm not going to miss anything. And uh, Sabalenka did get rattled. I think the occasion, being a big favorite, got to her. And Coco just uh, got the crowd going, got herself going. And at the end, was the better player. We'll see what happens this time around. But massive win for Coco Golf. Sabalenka had 46 unforced errors in that match to 25 winners, said she started overthinking in the second set. And for Coco Gauff, what a moment. Now a Grand Slam singles champion has not lost a major match since then. Here is her road to the semifinals. And the match against Kostyuk was the toughest one, Lindsay. It really was. She looked pretty settled early on in this tournament, but credit for Goff for getting through that quarterfinal match with Kostyuk a couple of months ago last summer. I'm not sure she gets through it, but she mentally she's not panicking anymore. Earlier in her career, sometimes we'd see her look over. She looked a little rattled, or sometimes we saw her crying on the court. All of that is gone. I mean, she is competing like an absolute champ now. One of the reasons she's able to win a match where she didn't play very well. Yeah, called it her C-level. Meantime, for Arena Sabalenka, nobody has gotten close to her, Martina. And it's been every single match, including a top-10 player in Krejcikova. Yeah, as I said, I mean, just dominating. Nobody got to four in any set. Uh, it averages to 1.6 games a set. That's just total domination, including who has played well in this tournament. So Sabalenka's just rolling over. Kind of good news, bad news. She's played so well, that, but she has been tested. So um, Coco will definitely test her. We'll see who holds the nerve better. Coco has the confidence because she had beaten her at the US Open, but then Sabalenka, I think, learned a lot from that match. Again, it's going to be all between the ears. They know how they need to play to win. We'll see who executes better. Yeah, it's going to be a big challenge for the Sabalenka team to get her to not not just believe, but she's going to play a player that she knows is going to get every single ball back into play. And for sure, Team Golf, led by Brad Gilbert, is going to be, hey, if you need to, back up, absorb the pace, make her have to hit two or three extra shots. She has started to make errors on those in the past. This tournament, Sabalenka hasn't had to play a great retriever, someone that's able to handle her pace those first two shots and get balls back. That's going to be a big change for Sabalenka in this match. The court is fast, though. Yep. That is a slight edge to Sabalenka. She's got to use it, though. She's got to be able to come to net and finish points off.
Goff has won 12 straight at majors. Sabalenka has won 12 straight at the Australian Open. One of those streaks is going to come to an end. And speaking of streaks, Yannick Sinner hoping to be the first player to defeat Novak Djokovic at the Australian Open in six years. Jim Courier joins us to let you know how that can happen next. Back on TC Live, it was a late start for Yannick Sinner. Didn't take the court until 10.42 p.m. Wrapped things up at 1.21 in the morning. If not for a straight sets win, it could have been even later. Jim Courier asked Sinner after the match about the challenge that lies ahead. Novak is, is the person you played in Wimbledon. You'd never beaten him at that point. He, now you've beaten him twice. How does this match, with the experience that you gained in the semifinals and the experience in beating him the last two times, well, two of the last three times you played him, how does that change your outlook in this match? Yeah, I'm really lucky to face him again. This is uh, one of the biggest tournaments in the world. Happy that I can play against the number one in the world. He won here sometimes, so <laughs> it's going to be tough. But um, the only thing I can control is, is that I will give my 100%. I will, I will fight for every ball, and then, then we'll see what, what the outcome will be. And Jim Courier joining us here on TC Live. Great to see you once again, Jim. Thanks, thanks. Yeah, my foot, my futon's just over here, so I just <laughs> slept here and just popped yeah. up. So nice to be with you guys. But note, note the attire. We always try and uh, and wish cast the weather based on what you're wearing. Uh, implied in what you're wearing. Nice day today. It's beautiful. It's still going to be warm today down here. It's uh, probably going to hit somewhere in the mid 80s, but it'll start cooling off, and and uh, this is will be the last of the heat for the tournament so that's good news for the players who are struggling in it a little bit it, it, it's going to be another big day record crowds again expected so uh yeah there, there's a lot to look forward to today and a lot to like about the weather overall this year the australian open a lot to like about all of your post-match interviews jim but let, let's keep going with with that theme of you asking yannick playing novak djokovic what have we seen from yep. sinner in your opinion that makes you believe now he can beat him three out of five well, one of the good things for Sinner is we haven't seen that much of him because he's yet to drop a set. He's been the, the informed player in, in men's tennis at this tournament so far. Not that that makes him the favorite because it doesn't. That's still Novak. But the fact that he's kind of turning into this generation Stan Wawrinka, and what I mean about that is he has equal power and damage ability on the forehand and backhand side. When they played in the round robin at the Tour Finals in Torino, Italy last year, it was one of the better matches of the year. These guys went toe-to-toe. -to -toe. Djokovic was trying to find ways to, to not only get, get out of the defensive posture, but try and get offensive because Sinner was just cracking balls on the forehand and backhand side. Djokovic would serve and volley a little bit to try and uh, problem solve, but Yannick Sinner had his answer. Now Djokovic would get the final word a couple of days later in the finals of this tournament, but then they would meet again about a week later in the Davis Cup. And it will be Yannick Sinner who would get the win. So two wins against Djokovic in about 15 days. Very difficult to do. Sinner will take confidence from that. What he's going to need most of all, though, is concentration. Because beating Djokovic two out of three versus best of five is difficult. It's a whole different ballgame, Lindsay. And uh, we saw it with Carlos Alcaraz. Heading into Wimbledon, I didn't believe it. I was like, all right, he's beating him two out of three. Three out of five is different. Then he proved he could do it. Yep. Do you think he can do it? Well, he absolutely can do it. It's not going to be easy, but you've got to win matches like this. This was a huge occasion to beat him 
in his home country ATP final. So at least he has that under his belt, as Jim mentioned, also a win at Davis Cup. Mm -hmm. Certainly it bodes better for him that he's beaten him two times in the last few months and if he would come in and didn't have those wins. Physically, though, he's going to have to be a beast. All the tennis will start to shift to the night, so the, they won't have to deal with the heat anymore. Novak is a master. That's actually, not, that's actually not true, Lindsay. This match will, because they, they play on Tuesday, they've adjusted the schedule here oh. uh, as of last year. The women's matches for the semifinals are Thursday night. That used to be occupied by the first men's semifinal. Now the women take center stage on Thursday night. The first men's match, which will be this one, will take place sometime around 3 o'clock local time. But it won't be hot, but it's definitely going to be a day match. Wow. Ooh. Yeah, the men's semifinals have always been at night. Thank you for that, Jim. That's why we got you there, yeah, Jim. Yeah. Slight <laughs> change. So, they'll, yeah, there'll be a th there's a 3 o'clock, and then there's like a 7.30 session. So, it, there's two sessions, but it's like the U.S. Open is these days on Friday as well. John, we, we know Novak is perfect when he gets to this stage. He's never lost a semifinal here. Never lost oh, a final, final here, right? 20-0 when he reaches the semifinals. But how have you seen Sinner's mindset change that he's able to cross that line and beat Novak Djokovic. You know, so, sometimes we talk about a player, we, we sense an adjustment, we see them more confident. I mean, other times we have some empirical basis for this. And uh, Sinner has really become a much more dangerous player against top five players. In fact, I will give you an early stat of the day. How do you wow. like this? Pre-2023, <laughs> 1 in 15 against opponents in the top five. Knock that in. Yeah, I was, I was like not that? expecting that. That's uh, <laughs> little boys in the control room doing some – I mean, to me, two things strike me. One is obviously the turnaround, but also keep in mind, he's had the same number of matches last year alone against top five players than he did in his prior career combined, which also says he's getting to these ladder rounds. I think Lindsey raised a really good point. Those last two wins against Novak, they came in this compressed period – those were real wins. Sometimes we say, well, the player was physically compromised or it was right on the heels of a major, so maybe he was going easy. Novak had match points in one of those matches. They both went three sets. Not best of five, obviously, like Jim was saying, but those are two big boy wins against Novak pretty recently. Jim, what, what have you seen in the difference with, with that uh, sneaky stat that John just put in there? Well, I love that. There's just move the move the little hyphen and you're fine. You got the same numbers. So look, the biggest <laughs> difference for Yannick Sinner is kind of it's kind of everything, right? He's changed his serve. He changes serve motion. He's getting more speed on that serve. Uh, he's he's put on about seven pounds of muscle, uh, which he did last offseason, not this one. That's given him more stability in the corners, more ability to get back in position after he gets pushed out. He's one of the game's great uh, offense to defense, defense to offense players now, like Novak. He can slide in and out of the forehand and backhand corners, and he's doing more damage from there, winning far more points when he gets pushed. Uh, he's becoming a complete player, and he's becoming a threat. He's always had good mental stability. That's probably been sort of a strength of his. A lot, a lot of the Italian players can be a little bit more emotional. Perhaps it's regional, perhaps because he's closer to Austria than he is to Rome. Uh, he's a little bit different, and he, he certainly uh, has become a different player in the last two years. And I asked him last night, I said, you know, two years ago you lost in the quarterfinals here. You were 20 years old, and you were 10 in the world. Most players would be pretty happy with that, but you ejected your team and built a new one, and now you're number four in the world and, and climbing. And he's like, yeah, you know, it's all about the people you're with. He kind of de deflected the question a little bit, but it's been impressive to watch this methodical uh, adjustment that he's made to every area of his game and his body that has given him this platform to succeed. Now, can he go one further? Can he beat Novak here, which no one's ever done in the semifinals? We'll see. You know, Novak gets that precious two days off as well. He started on the Sunday. Uh, things are breaking well for Novak, all things considered, especially if that he had the cold. 
But Sinner is primed for a, a great performance, and I hope we get one from him. Yeah, I mean, for, for the record, Novak is the favorite, you know, minus 225, which isn't insignificant. That line might change. One thing we haven't spoken about, one player is a decade and a half older than the other. We, we barely mentioned that. Yeah. But, you know, I mean, I think we say this all the time here, best of five versus best of three is a big difference sometimes. We all know Sinner's going to win a major at some point. If, if he stays healthy yeah. and continues on that path, I think our question is, when is that going to happen? Mm -hmm. Can it be now in Australia? Novak's been pretty firm saying not yet. Yeah, and how much would it mean to put on that resume that when you win it, <laughs> yeah, you, you beat, the, beat best the best yeah. to, to do so? Alcaraz can say he has done that. We'll see if Yannick Sinner can do the same. Much more still to come here on TC Live. It is our highly acclaimed doubles report. <laughs> Find out which top seeds are gone and how the Krejcikova-Siniakova drama will play out. Welcome back. A reminder, the second major not too far away this spring. Tennis Channel will once again bring you extensive daily live coverage from Roland Garros. We'll be looking at the Eiffel Tower all the time. Don't miss any of the action. It begins Sunday, May 26. We've got some double highlights to get to. John Wertheim, Christina Mladenovic has won nine major doubles titles and mixed in her career, two of them with her partner, Caroline Garcia. But... Uh, this was a difficult matchup against Yelena Ostapenko, who's a great doubles player herself, and Ludmila Kichinok. Former Aussie Open winners from the French team, but stay out of the Kichinok. Um, I like playing, that. Thank you, like that? Uh, playing with Ostapenko, who, of course, was a top ten player in singles as well. I don't know if we think of Ostapenko the way we do a Krajikova or a Coco or a Pagula as a singles doubles threat, but she's a top 30 doubles player, and she was terrific yesterday. Nice hands at the net. Again, 22 winners to only three unforced errors for the winning team. This is a bit of an upset, and uh, Ostapenko still alive, albeit with a partner. It is a good tournament when Ostapenko is still in it, <laughs> and, and Alona is hanging on. She's in the semifinals of the women's doubles. What do you make of this draw, Lindsay? A lot of change on WTA with the women's doubles teams, but still the bottom half to be played. Shea and Mertens, the number two seed, and they're going to be awfully tough to beat. But, of course, we keep talking about Krejcikova having to play Siniakova in the quarterfinals. That'll take place later today. No, I think it's pretty wide open. I, I don't have a clear favorite. All right, on the, on the men's side, Jim, uh, we only have one team so far who has punched their ticket to the Final Four. Yeah, Zhang and Mahash, they're in there waiting the winner of a couple seeded teams. Bopana Ebden, the top seeded team now in the tournament, and they'll get a lot of local support. I think you mentioned yesterday Bopana gets a chance to get the number one in the world at, what's he, 43 years old? Yep. Pretty yeah. remarkable the way that he's going. And, and look at all of the teams that are the same flags. In an Olympic year, that is really important. You got two German teams, an Italian team, an Argentine team. And they're all vying for ranking supremacy for the Olympic cutoff so they can represent their nation and get some reps in. So uh, really, there's sort of a secondary story underlying this opportunity to win the Australian Open, which is to rep your country in Paris as well. That's a great point. Diana Yastremska, she has been repping Ukraine for a long time now. A couple of Ukrainians making the quarterfinals. Yastremska looking to make her first ever semifinal, getting ready to go for her match. Coming up later today, as we roll on on TC Live, our Bet365 match preview with the odds on Daniil Medvedev and Hubie Hercotch. We'll tell you how each player can make history for their country. Stay with us. Featuring the Aussie star and revealing conversations with top figures in sports, entertainment, and tennis, the premiere episode is tomorrow, January 24th, 7 p.m. Eastern. It is 
NK with Gordon Ramsay. It is streaming on T2. Check it out. Time now for our Bet365 match preview. Daniil Medvedev favored over Hubert Hercoc, although the poll holds a 3-2 record head-to-head against Medvedev. Medvedev 2-1 against Hercoc on hard courts. Hercoc won their last meeting. Miami 2022. Jim, you got the master class on Medvedev's returning the other night. But Hubie, I would say, is arguably the best server in the game right now. How does this one play out? Yeah, we're going to find out. You know, when they played in Miami, it was a warm, humid day, and Medvedev suffered physically today. They're going to be playing in the heat of the day. It's going to be mid-80s. I'm not sure about the humidity. But uh, if Hercoc has a good day on first serve, this will be a very difficult contest. Hercoc is willing to serve in volley. He has really nice hands. We've seen that over the years. Really good touch with the drop shots, and that's important. Medvedev explained so well uh, how he trains for those sprints, the 25-meter sprints from, from where he returns from to the drop shot. He's going to be doing quite a bit of those, and that can take its toll over best of five sets. Medvedev has admitted to getting a little bit fatigued at times in this tournament when he's getting moved around the court. So uh, I'm keeping eyes on Daniel's legs. Uh, we'll see how he goes, but I, I do have him a slight favorite. If and you... I need a drink of water, so you guys take it. <laughs> <laughs> uh, if you could take Hubie's serve yeah. or Medvedev's return, what would you take? Ooh. Ooh. I like them both. <laughs> Clearly. Like them both. I, you know, we don't see a lot of players comfortable serving and volleying these days, right? It, not many players will, are willing to utilize that strategy over and over again. That's the one strategy Medvedev doesn't really want to see on a fast court and given where he stands to return. So that is definitely in the hands of Hubie there. He's got to do that well. He's got to continue to do it even when he gets burned a few times. Keep putting the pressure on Medvedev. I think I take the Hercush serve. All right. Yep. Really? You worked it out. I, like I did. That. I did. No, I mean, I, I think so. I'll, uh, I'll, tough question. I'll, well, I'll answer that in a way that I think is going to be central to this match, which it's situational, it's contextual. Herbie can look great. He can also, Hubie can look great. He can also go a little bit off the boil. I mean, this is a guy who loses a lot of matches when it gets to four all. He's mm. lost more than 100 tiebreakers in his career. Can he hold his nerve against Medvedev? Uh, we're all looking to see where Medvedev is going to be in, like, Tasmania and Hobart after that gym <laughs> demonstration. But I do think against a server like Hercosh, I don't know where better to – I mean, yeah. you're going to crowd the baseline when you're facing a serve like that? I would take the serve. I still think I favor Medvedev. Yeah, yeah I didn't yeah. say that. No, no, I, I know you asked me the shot. I, I, I'm with you. We agree. Uh, we were wondering when we would see Naomi Osaka next. Will the four-time major champion accepted a wild card, Lindsay, into Abu Dhabi? That begins February 3rd. Yeah, we didn't know exactly when Naomi would surface again. Her trip down under didn't go great. One win to two losses. She came down under with the hopes of trying to win the Australian Open. So I was wondering if she maybe would have taken a step back and said, okay, let's go back to work. Let's train for six weeks or so, get ready for in the Indian Wells, the Sunshine Double in Miami. And no, she wants to get right back out there to compete. So she'll be back on the match court in February. So we'll get another little glimpse of Naomi on her road back. Yeah, I mean, let's let's not be naive. We're going to a, a region of the world where there is great wealth. So maybe that would have played a role. But it's an interesting dilemma, right? Do you stay and get a training block and get your conditioning up? Or do you go back out there and play events and get more matches under your belt? And uh, sort of six, six of one, we'll see how it goes. But she's doing some traveling before Indian Wells. And if she goes to Abu Dhabi, does she stay for the Doha, Dubai, Matt, WTA 1000s that follow it? I, I would suspect so. And certainly uh, she'll have access to those tournaments as well if she wants to. So th this smells like she wants to play her way back into playing shape as opposed to train 
her way back into playing shape. Yep. That's a great point. I don't think you're going all the way over there just to play a 250. So probably Abu Dhabi, Doha, Dubai on the schedule for Osaka before the Sunshine Double, Indian Wells, and Miami. Linda Noskova, youngest player to make the women's singles quarterfinals here since Aga Redvanska could be the youngest semifinalist since 2007. We'll break down her match when we come back. Five minutes. the big names in action. Carlos Alcaraz looking to win his first Australian Open title. So is Coco Golf. As Jim said earlier, it is a beautiful day down under as we continue TC Live at the Australian Open. Time for our hot shot of the day, Jimmy. It comes from doubles, and this was sick. Well, it's got to come from Shea Sue, right? She's she's the hot. What? It's Jan Zielinski? <laughs> around the net post. And, and I'll tell you what, another upset here is, is these guys somehow pull off the hot shot win the match parlay, which is rarely seen on TC Live. You almost always get the, you know, the, the sugar high of the winner, but you don't get the protein in the end. These guys get them both. So it's great to see Shea Sue still in the game. She stopped playing singles, but Zielinski is our heater of the day. Nicole Melikar, we are not worthy. Uh, Jim's sleeping on Jan Zielinski. <laughs> Lindsay, what do you think of this? Well, it's so hard to do with a doubles net. We've seen some of these out on Rod Laver with a singles net. Yeah. Much tougher with a doubles net, much tougher with a ball. You're a ball kid. What's Sitting this? right there. I mean, ball standing almost yeah. right. <laughs> Umpire chair. That was. It's like the miniature golf with the windmill. There's a lot going on here. <laughs> I feel like that's number two behind Tsitsipas. For it's, the it, it is incredibly high, yes. All right. That's a good one. That's a good one. <laughs> Let's take a look at our featured matches. Coming up, quarterfinals as we uh, lock up our last semifinal spots on day 11. Noskova, Yastremska, Medvedev, Herkoc, Kalinskaya, and Kinwen. And then, of course, Zverev and Alcaraz. Uh, we'll start with the... Alcaraz-Zverev matchup as we had the top six seeds reaching the men's singles quarterfinals at the Australian Open for the first time. Zverev leads this head-to-head gym 4-3. Would be the first player ever to beat Alcaraz five times. What do you think happens? Well, Sasha needs a big day on first serve. And you know what? He usually gets one. The guy basically averages around 70% first serves in play. And along with Hercotch, he probably has the best first serve in men's tennis from a right-handed perspective these days. Maybe Ben Shelton has it on the left. But cooler conditions at night, that will slow things down just a little bit. Does that help Alcaraz make more returns? Because we know he's far more dynamic and aggressive and has far more options once they get into a neutral rally. That's when Alcaraz's athleticism and creativity will rise to the fore and decide what happens in this contest. If he can play with a type of consistent aggression and lack of unforced errors that he showed against Ketsmanovic, Hard for me to see him losing this unless uh, Zverev serves 80% first serves in play and doesn't have a game, a set where he misses four first serves. So uh, I favor Alcaraz, but you know that Zverev is going to make this tough. You know that Zverev is physically fit. He's mentally tough. This one could go the distance. Yeah, we've seen Zverev pull through a couple of really close matches already in this Australian Open. He's been on the comeback trail since that horrific injury in Paris about a year and a half ago. He's gone through a lot. I just feel like a big win at a major is coming for for Zverev. And to get through to this stage, he's been able to keep it together on court with everything going around off court. 
Alcaraz, though, he really picked up his game his last two matches, but I don't know. I just feel like it could be an upset. Mm. Really? Yeah. You referenced that injury from which uh, Zverev has come back. Who did he beat in the match prior? Well, he beat Carlos Alcaraz at Roland Garros. Um, that's a big win for him. That was a difference, Carlos Alcaraz. I'm a little concerned about wear and tear. Alcaraz has been breezing. Yep. Zverev, apart from the long matches, he's also had some emotional. I mean, you know, he's down a few points from being knocked out of this tournament. I'm not sure I'm getting your upset vibes, but he's already okay. beaten four times. Zverev, 0-10 against top one, five players yeah, at majors. majors yeah. So yeah. We'll, we'll see if he can one step thing, up. One yeah. thing to be concerned about, team, but got one thing to really be concerned about if you're an Alcaraz fan is, did he get good sushi? It's a risk <laughs> no. to have sushi on match nights. And he <laughs> talks about how he likes sushi. That's risky. Hopefully it was some fresh fish. You don't want to be sick today. It depends what day, right, Jim? Because if you get it on a on a Sunday, that's don't, old sushi. Don't, Tough. don't eat fish on Sunday. So, <laughs> Got to get the fresh sushi. Uh, good point. Good point. You, you think you might have an upset on that match? Maybe. It, it was an upset that we have Linda Noskova and Diana yeah. Stremska playing Crazy. each other, yeah. two players above 50 in the world. Um, we got the teenager who, who beat the number one player in the world, and then Yastrzemska, who's already won seven matches. Yeah, the qualifier. You always wonder when uh, that might run out for her. Emma Raducanu was able to do it. We'll see if Yastrzemska can keep it going. But Noskova, a bit of a favorite in this match. Also, didn't have to really play in the round of 16. So sometimes when you're going through a long event for really the first time, trying to manage your emotions over the course of 14 days, sometimes it helps to maybe get a little bit of a break. Svitolina can only play a few games against Noskova. Stremska has been battling the entire time. I, I give the edge to, to Noskova, though, with her game and her ability. I think she'll be able to handle the Yastrzemska power. Yeah. I love the point you raised before. I heard someone saying, can Yastrzemska pull the upset over Noskova? Noskova is an upset potential at this stage of the tournament. So it's not just, hey, I've made it this far. This is incredible. I'm overplaying my ranking. But I look at the other side of the net and I should win this match. That's a dynamic you don't often get. It'll be interesting to see how the teenager handles. Yeah, the two words that start ringing in my ear when I think about Noskova is optimism and ignorance. It's a beautiful thing to be young and have your future all in front of you and not have the scar tissue of, of opportunities missed. So for her, this is an amazing tournament if it ends here today. And that makes her, for me, more dangerous and probably the favorite in this match. Optimism and I like ignorance. That. I like that, Jim. <laughs> bringing, bringing gold dust bringing the every heat. day. <laughs> Guaranteed, one unseated semifinalist here in Melbourne. So we'll talk about who it was when we see you again tomorrow. TC Live, 5 Eastern. You don't want to miss it. Encore coverage with Brett and Paul coming your way Wednesday at 8 a.m. Eastern. A lot to discuss tomorrow as we will have the final four on both sides wrapped up for Martina, John, Lindsay, Jim, and the entire team. I'm Steve Weissman. Thanks for joining us once again on TC Live.